You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Rebel Cells for the Bad Batch episode decommissioned. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, once again, we've got the whole sad batch is back, <laughs> uh, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Oh, I feel like you're promising way too much charisma with that illustrious, but I still like it. I'll still take it. <laughs> and the uh, and now we have one for Kyle, the, the altitudinous Kyle Avery. Ooh. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, what was the thing Mike made up for me? And I couldn't remember it, but don't worry that's it. not exaggerating it. when it comes to me. So I, I got it under control. Uh, hey, we're, we're all back. Uh, we're talking decommissioned. Uh, an exciting episode, to say the least. Uh, and uh, I just want to say right here at the top of the episode, um, if you don't like the Martez sisters and you were complaining about it uh, on social media over the weekend, uh, go ahead. Stay mad. It's fine. By <laughs> me. Uh, I love, I, I loved these characters in, um, in, in the, uh, the Clone Wars season seven episodes that they were in. And, uh, and I've been saying uh, since Ahsoka was announced that one or both of them will be in that show um, in live action. And uh, and having them show up on the Bad Batch, I uh, confirms that for me. Like I will be very surprised if one of the Martez sisters is not involved in in Ahsoka at some point. Um, I yeah I but but uh, really cool to have yet another connection into the Clone Wars, a connection into I I uh, Ahsoka's story um and uh once again it's a very small galaxy but uh, <laughs> i that's where you that's this is how it works right i mean yeah everybody knows everybody i mean like yeah. like obi-wan kenobi and hondo onaka cross paths and then hondo crosses paths with han solo and chewbacca and then <laughs> later on with ezra and kanan and the ghost crew like you know it's a small galaxy uh, yeah the just, entire galaxy is connected by like three degrees of separation yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so i i wait hey we we don't really have any news this week uh once again slow news week so um the i don't know the, uh the sisters were the news this week that was i all guess so yeah place. yeah um and uh and you know like i think i think this is probably one of those uh, I quiet before the storm type of things where I, I Kyle, you pointed out before we started recording E3 is this next week. So we, we will probably hear something about some star Wars, something or other. Um, I expect to get a date for I uh, um, Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Mm. Finally. At, at some point soon. I mean, like, the game was already supposed to be out and then got delayed. Um, but I am always a proponent of, like, delay it. Like, don't release it when it's ready. 
not beforehand. I don't want to play a buggy game, uh, uh, especially like a Lego game in an, in this new engine, um, uh, which which looks really cool and looks really impressive. Um, like take take the time that you need, as well as like the human factor there of like, and I and I work in software development, so I know what crunch is, and it sucks. Uh, I having to hit arbitrary deadlines uh, is is not a fun thing um and having to pull 18 hour work days in order to do it is uh is isn't fun for anybody so uh, i i i want a good game but i want a good game uh that didn't <laughs> that didn't like you know negatively impact uh, a thousand people's lives um because uh, they had to crunch in order to get it out because we're impatient and can't wait for quality so I, uh, the Lego games are always awesome. They're always, I, I shouldn't say that they are not always awesome. Sure. They are, uh, there are a lot of stinkers in there. The big I, titles, I can think of one. <laughs> the, the, the big titles are generally pretty rad. I uh, mm. Lego star Wars, uh, the force awakens was phenomenal. Um, one of, one of the best Lego, uh, uh, games that, that they've put out. So, um, you know, if they can, if they can up their game past that, like I'll, I'll be very happy. So I'm, I'm happy to wait. Um, Kyle, you were saying that the EA Play event isn't until July. I think that's July. Yeah, it's not part of like the main yeah. E3. Um, but yeah, like I know Ubisoft is working on a Star Wars game right now, and they've got a conference yeah. during E3. And then you know they might always like tease something at one of the main like the Xbox conference or something like that, and then talk about it more yeah. later at the EA stuff. So, and I don't, I don't expect to hear anything about Fallen Order two at the Xbox conference. Sony doesn't have a conference this year because mm-hmm. um, they just did their state of play for uh, for uh, Horizon. They just don't do E3 in general West? anymore. I think 2018 was the last time they were involved. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think that I think that we're probably going to get this. Is, we're turning into a video game podcast. I, I think that we're going <laughs> to get an mean? EA state of play. That's a more general because we've got we just got Ratchet and then and then the Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. state of plays which is just there it's just their their thing for like it's like a basically like a digital press conference but uh sometimes they'll do them like general where it's like oh we're gonna talk about like 10 games and then sometimes they'll do specific ones where they'll do like a deep dive um and uh and so the, the last two have been deep dives so i think that we'll probably get another one probably mm-hmm. around july that and i wouldn't be surprised if it actually coincides pretty close to uh uh, EA play um, and and if we hear if we hear about anything from a dedicated so like console or source that's not um, that's not EA it'll be Sony because Fallen Order was um, it was like like they they kind of the 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 consoles fight over these things like they they get exclusivity deals and stuff um, and I. Uh, Fallen Order was like like play it best on PlayStation or some nonsense like that, right? Where it's like no Fall, Fallen Order was Xbox. Was it? An I, Xbox I think one? They, I think they showed some Fallen Order stuff at the Xbox conference that year. The Battlefront games were PlayStation. Oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah. the Battlefront. Because yeah, I've still got a, a Battlefront shirt that I got at Celebration back in 2015, and it's got the PlayStation logo on it. Okay, okay, so maybe we will hear about Fallen Order too at Xbox. Uh, I. 
yeah, I mean, so so we could we by next week, uh, next 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 week because that's what that's this Sunday. I think is their conference. Yeah, I think everything. Yeah, actually, I think, I think stuff starts Saturday. Isn't Ubisoft yeah. Saturday? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, I think the Xbox One is Sunday. Yeah, Xbox always goes Sunday night. Um, I yeah. So so hey, by by the next time that we record, hopefully we know about Jedi Fallen Order Two or Yay. whatever whatever they call it, Jedi. I, I, I don't know. On the run, I, I don't know. I'm, and I guess less, these titles. less like newsworthy. Limited Run Games is also doing a conference, and they've obviously done a lot of like really awesome re-releases of the like the retro Star Wars games in the past few years. Cool. Um, so I mean, Republic maybe Commando would be would be prime for that because that just came out, right? So uh, that's well, that's sort of... that's already. I think that came and went that pre-order. Oh, did it? That's. I think that's they just did that one. Gotcha. I would love um, like Dark Forces, you know, the original Dark Forces and Jedi Knight because I think they did Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy, but they didn't do yeah. the original too. Yeah, um, man. I <laughs> when is someone going to figure out the issues with Factor Five and the Rogue Squadron games? Because I <laughs> need them. I need them. Mm. I uh, it's driving it's driving me nuts. I I yeah, I'm really hoping I'm really hoping that we get something soon. Yeah, like Rogue that. Leader would be awesome. Oh my god. Well, Rogue Leader being the best Star Wars game ever made, right? Like I <laughs> uh, an upresed like like you don't I don't even think you'd have to do all that much. I think if you just I like like if you just kind of upresed it and just kind of kind of crank the the polys on those models i think they would be fine because i remember do you remember when when rogue leader came out and people were like oh my god they're you you can totally tell that they're using the the cg models from the special edition in this like people (laughs) said stupid stuff like that and you look back at it now and it's like no no no." it's it holds up well for a game it does for a GameCube game, it's and still it was a very launch impressive. title too, which is crazy. Yeah, um, uh, system seller, man. That's that's what that Absolutely. was. I, I bought it for that. Hey, yeah, day one. They, yeah, I, me too. I, yeah, man. I yeah, Rogue Squadron Two Rogue Leader is is for my money the best, oh, second best Star Wars game ever made. Jedi Fallen Order is the best Star Wars game ever made because it's <laughs> a little bit more well rounded. But I, I yeah, certainly of that like arcade era um and uh, uh it is the best star wars game containing a battle of hoth <laughs> which like yeah, i'll give you that one for sure it was funny for a few years there like from from my uh, shadows of the empire uh, forward like until i think probably battlefront 2 i i like every star wars game had at least like an allusion to the battle yeah. of hoth it was so funny how like it was just like how can like, like, because Shadows of the Empire had it, Rogue Squadron had it, Rogue Squadron Two, Rogue Leader had it, and then Rebel Strike, the third one had it. I mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah, like like obviously when you play Battlefront games, you gotta have a Hoth level in there too. Mm-hmm. Like it heck, just, I think even Jedi Academy had a Hoth level. Uh, I mean, it obviously wasn't the Battle of Hoth, but still, yeah, yeah. Like, I think like you a, might be right. A, a throwback I think you might be it. right. Um, yeah. Because who doesn't want to throw lightsabers at Wampas, right? Like, yep. come on. 
Um, yeah, no, like they really went back to that well because the the mechanic of wrapping the tow cable around the legs of an of a walker is just like so satisfying um, <laughs> when it's yeah. done right. I really when didn't like the Rogue right. Squadron one, but the Rogue Leader one was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, gosh, I remember playing Rogue Squadron as a kid and just constantly crashing into the ground trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it, the thing, the sad thing is that we will probably get Rogue Squadron before we get uh, uh, Rogue Leader because obviously it is the first game in the series. Um, I think Rogue Squadron is already ported to PC, right? Because I feel like I have that. The GameCube on one, either no Rogue Squadron. Oh yeah, yeah, Rogue Squadron 3D is on the PC. Yeah, so there's a good chance um, we'll probably get that pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I I, I could see. I I think it's is it I think it's a Aspire. I think that's the company that does all of them. Yeah, um, they've been doing all the ports and stuff. Yeah, um, and they've done good ones and bad ones. Republic Commando doesn't hold up. That game doesn't hold up. Uh, <laughs> but Pod Racer, incredible. I, <laughs> I the the port of it. I mean, like I like. I I mean I be, I beat it again, right? Like like I like I I I, whatever got gold on all of the, uh, uh, courses and whatnot. The annoying thing about that is that you got to play all the way through the game in order to unlock um, Sebulba's Pod Racer. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. and then you've beaten the game. Yeah, it's like all right, so now like, I have Sebulba for nothing except oh, yeah, when yeah, friends true. come over. Yeah, it's for one on ones, right? But I, I, yeah, but man, what a what a fantastic racing game. Um, I yeah, no, Star Wars video games are awesome. We could talk about it all night. <laughs> But I think we can uh, we can we can just jump right into the episode, eh? All right, yeah. What else you got? Give me more. Hyperdrives online. Cross that. Take the towers. How many are there? Five of them. That's Clone Force ninety nine. This is Wrecker, Hunter. Echo, Tech, and Crosshair. My name's Amiga. The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Good soldiers follow orders. Episode Recap. Alrighty, The Bad Batch, decommissioned, uh, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, uh, supervising director Brad Rao, and uh, written by Amanda Rose. I'm gonna butcher this. I think it's it's Munoz Munoz. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Munoz Munoz. I some somebody correct me. Um, Someone who knows it. I'm in Arizona. <laughs> we got we got some of those out here. I I okay. Here I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into this. Uh, Omega trains with a Zygerian energy bow in Sid's parlor. While, while she struggles, Echo remains patient and offers guidance. They're soon interrupted by Sid, however, who has a job for the Bad Batch. I love when she comes over and she just, like, yanks it out of, uh, out of Omega's hands and, and just, like, fires off three perfect shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's just like, you just gotta, to, like strengthen your arms your yeah, little arms. yeah omega's like 10 and she's like yeah you get these weak little noodle arms yeah um but she's a trandoshan so like i'm sure that that's probably the way that they treat their kids right probably <laughs> it's like they they got that they got that lizard uh, uh mentality 
uh, the, the strong survive, right? We, we kind of know that about the Trandoshan um, from episodes in the Clone Wars. So I, I, yeah, I thought I, it was just a great moment. It's, it's, and it's so much better just, just thinking about the fact that, that Sid is voiced by Rhea Perlman. Um, Cause you can just, you, you can just see her giving that performance. Uh, it's, uh, it's uh, for, for uh, an old, old person like myself. It's uh, just reminds me of Cheers and uh, her character on that. But I, any, you guys got anything to say about about this this opening? No, nope, Cheers was before my time. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I loved Echo in this scene. Yeah. It was a little 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 quiet moment with with him and Omega. I don't know. I just I loved it. I love little nurturing, patient teacher yeah. Echo. I just really it made made my heart smile. I liked it. Yeah, and I, I like how each member of the Bad Batch in these different episodes have been getting like different um almost kind of like big brother moments with omega yeah because i feel like at first it was just kind of her and hunter that developed a relationship but then like wrecker was the one that decorated the room for her, and now crosshair or um crosshair echoes teaching her how to shoot the bow um so yeah it's nice to see them all get individual you know nice little character moments with her maybe she'll get like tech to kind of like loosen up a little bit and think more about people maybe i mean mike i think uh I think you were the one that had said a few weeks ago that tech is going to learn to stop thinking with his brain and maybe a little bit more with his heart and his instinct and about family. Maybe she's going to be a catalyst for that because you know, you're right, Kyle, she really is getting all that one-on-one time with everyone. And, and you know, I don't know if it's, if it's too early to say rubbing off on them, but like you, you see them softening a little bit with her. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely so far for all the ones we've seen her kind of interact with, she kind of brings out their human side a little bit. Yeah. From these, you know, tough soldiers that we're used to seeing. Yeah, I, I do. I'm not to jump too far ahead, but, but I do like that. Like, there's a, there's a clear evolution from last week, which uh, Kyle, you and I kind of, kind of talked about this. That, that she proved herself right by rescuing them, and, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no argument this week when they're on the mission. She's <laughs> just part of the team, and, and it's all implied but like the opening of this episode is basically like they're practicing they're training her mm-hmm. because she's gonna be out there she's gonna she's like they're not gonna leave her behind um so she has to be able to defend herself right and yeah. it, but like they're not they're not like slamming us over the head uh you know like they would to wreck her uh, uh with this they're they're uh they're just kind of letting the story speak for itself there's a lot of show don't tell which i really like um, and this this opening is a really great example of that. I also enjoyed the um, the 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 uh, the hammerhead and um, <laughs> oh, what was the other species? What was the other guy? I can't remember. But uh, was the, it a weak way? Was he? No, it might have been. Was it? It almost always is, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'd have to go back and check. But I, I now that you mentioned that, I feel like I can picture a weak way in there. Yeah. Um, but the two of them like like making bets and and that it wasn't just a comedy moment, but it was also a part of the lesson of like you have to be able to tune out distractions because she's like, oh, I can't do it with these guys bothering me. And it's like, yeah, but like if if you're being shot at, <laughs> you know, you still, have, you still have to be able to hit your target. Yeah. Um, so, when yeah, you shoot when you shoot back, the bad guys aren't going to stop and be like, OK, let's stop distracting <laughs> her now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that. Like there are some 
uh, uh, some of these sort of hard lessons for her to learn. Uh, uh, but, but at the same time, like, like, yeah, they, like they are being gentle with her in a way. Um, I, and, and, and teaching her this stuff. It's, 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 I think it's just refreshing, right? Like, like we've, we talked about this over and over throughout these first few episodes I didn't think that this is what the show was going to be. I thought it was mm. going to be much more just like action and Clone Wars type stuff. And it's it's much more Rebels in this way of like this family unit sort of figuring out uh, uh, how to survive in this new world. Right. And uh, it's just it's it's always even though I expect it now, it's also still a surprise. And I. Uh, and I love it. I just, it's it's every week. I'm just like, oh yeah, like like it's Bad Batch time. Like let's go. <laughs> and it's so funny because it's not about like like don't get me wrong. This episode's got some wicked action in it. Like it's 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 a great like uh, a gunfight episode. Um, and there's some and some very cool Clone Wars stuff happens in it. But I. But it is like it's the character stuff that's that's really driving it, and that it is, but should not be such a surprise to me. I I I keep it's, it's, this is exactly the same thing that happened to me with the Mandalorian, where I was like, I don't think this is going to be for me. I don't want a Boba Fett TV show, and then <laughs> lo and behold, it's not a Boba Fett TV show. But then somehow through the Mandalorian, they're like. There is a Boba Fett TV show though, and it's <laughs> yeah. probably one of the like top three things that I'm the most excited about right now. Um, which they just they just wrapped filming mm-hmm. uh, the book of Boba Fett, and uh, and I can't wait. I can't wait for some more shiny Boba and Fennec Shand and whoever else we're gonna get to see. I mean, like of course we're gonna see Cobb Van. Uh, you don't you 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 don't introduce that character and then just forget about him he's coming back i i but uh yeah like like it i i should know my i should have learned my lesson by now but i don't i don't uh it's no different than when i go to pick up a star wars comic and i'm uh, uh always you know ultimately disappointed in the way that they tell the story and <laughs> which this is obviously the opposite but um with that one it's kind of it's it's the inverse it's like i every once in a while there's a diamond in the rough but uh uh you gotta sift through the rough uh or just don't read the 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 main star wars title and expect much from it um if you if you kind of go in expecting it to be mediocre you'll probably be okay but uh <laughs> what no a, offense what a glowing to review yeah no offense to the to the ongoing <laughs> star wars title there's a weird thing with them where it's like we gotta we gotta we gotta fill in these gaps and it's like no one's asking no one every gap no one's asking for this no one's asking for this i read a really interesting this is just a little tangent i read a really interesting perspective that um everything like like after the last jedi lucasfilm and the story group uh, feel constantly like they have to relate everything back to Luke Skywalker, like having him show up in the Mandalorian season two. And I, uh, and all of like, there, there was like three or four examples in this. I wish I could remember who tweeted this, but, um, and, and the example that stuck out to me was that, um, they gave Luke a gold lightsaber, a yellow lightsaber blade, um, 
right after Rise of Skywalker. And it's like you like they couldn't even let Rey mm. have like that one thing for her character. Mm. Like they had to like immediately give it. And I don't think that that was the intention. Like I, I think that I might be reading into it a little bit much. But but it is one of those things where it's like it does feel sometimes like the comics are trying so hard to to justify a bunch of the story decisions made in the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to single out Rise of Skywalker, although I think like that's like the most egregious of the three stories. But but there is sort of that that inclination of like, oh, we'll use the comics to tie everything together. And it ends up making the stories of the comics less interesting and more like just that that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. <laughs> I, I, like it's just like every every comic sooner or later. I mean, like even Bad Batch, uh, in in the 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 first uh, round of of Marvel Star Wars, there was the uh, uh, Task Force ninety nine, which was a reference to Clone Force ninety nine that was cut from the Clone Wars, and then obviously now they've been brought back, and Bad Batch is a show, but it 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 was like it was meant to be like this reference to the Bad Batch. That mm-hmm. w- which was a thing that never ended up happening and and then it happened and so it's just like they just like every opportunity they're like hey remember this character and it's like yeah we do remember boba fett we didn't need to see him fight luke skywalker in between a new hope and empire strikes back that was not that's not a story anybody was asking for and then and then you have a bunch of people trying to assert that the comics are canon and i'm just like that's not canon i don't care i don't care what they say that's not canon. It's not canon that Boba Fett lost to Luke Skywalker <laughs> like five minutes after he picked up a lightsaber. That didn't happen. Uh, yeah. He also fights Vader uh, in the first arc. I think in like the third issue, he mm-hmm. uh, Luke fights Vader. And it's like, you're really, you're really taking some of the punch out of the, the other stories yeah. if you want to yeah. consider this stuff canon. So I, that's why I say like they're fun and you can have fun with them. Uh, but don't don't put too much stock in them or you'll end up frustrated and angry <laughs> except for Kanan the Kanan comics are excellent and uh, perfect all the way through um, and there's no issues there but like I said diamonds in the rough uh, <laughs> let's let's continue with the episode uh, uh, Joe you want to go next yes sir <clears throat> there's a droid decommissioning facility on Corellia Sid wants them to steal a Separatist tactical droid, filled with valuable intel, before they're all destroyed. Though Hunter is dubious of working for her, he ultimately agrees. On the way, Tech explains to Omega that the droid will contain data on how to defeat clone troopers, which is highly valuable in the Age of the Empire. Um, I have a question for you guys that you might have already touched on last week, and if you did, disregard. Are we supposed to trust Sid as the audience? Like, no. Should the Bad Batch trust Siv? I, I think I think that question is still up in the air. We did talk about that, and because okay. I remember talking about like that last scene of the previous episode where mm-hmm. she's like, you know, you guys like, like oh, if you got a bounty hunter like Fennec Shand after you, that must mean you like have something valuable or like you're valuable yeah. to the right people. And then she's like, don't worry, I'm good with secrets. But it's like we don't know if we trust her enough that like her having that information is like a good thing. 
Like, you know, she, she could be good at keeping that secret, but that's also something that she could hold over them or, you know, she could have loyalties that we don't know about. So I think, I think she's a wild card at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that Kyle is right in the respect. And I said this last week in the respect that that is how we are supposed to feel. But I personally am of the opinion that it's a misdirect. They we're not supposed to trust Sid um, very much so that when it turns out that she is loyal, that it's a gut punch when she dies. Oh God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh man. And I'll say, I'll, I'll put it this way. If I were writing the story, that's what I would be doing right now Mm -hmm. is I would be making you question her loyalty and sort of peppering these things in that make you go like, I'm not entirely sure that we can trust her, but it's like, well, this is a relationship of convenience at the moment, but what about when it becomes inconvenient? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reason why she's a Trandoshan. I think that that we are supposed to have some uh, prejudice and bias against Trandoshans because the only other ones that we're really familiar with are Bosk and the ones that, uh, that hunted down uh, Ahsoka and Chewbacca. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, but also at the same time right now, one of it's fine. They actually, I think they kind of actually already did this a little bit. And that's one of the reasons why I think that it might be happening again. Like they're using Trandoshans for this. It, it, because they know that this is something that works. So they, they, they kind of did it in the high Republic already um, oh, where, okay. where one of the characters <clears throat> scare, he uh, there's, there, there's some stuff that makes you go like, he's a Jedi, but you're like, Ooh, but is he like on the line? Is he on the line? Cause I think he might be. Um, and they play with that a lot. So um uh, yeah, like I think I think they they there's sort of like a, a, I think that they are being very meta and clever with this, that they're using the audience's prejudice against Trandoshans to make a point that we shouldn't have prejudices like that, <laughs> which right, to I'm me is it. like is it's 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 very much like it, it's in line with a lot of the stuff that I think the story group is trying to fit into some of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I, and some people might get mad at, at that idea that they are trying to shoehorn in progressive ideologies. But um, I, Hey, uh, the reason why I think that that's the case is because that's the sort of thing that George used to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I like when everybody, when, when people didn't get, the analogy of the rebels being uh, I, the like the Viet Cong in, in the and the Empire being America uh, in his first movie, he kind of like pushed it a little bit more in the second movie. And then when people still didn't get it, he pushed it real, real hard when he introduced the Ewoks. Right. And like, like, cause that get, like that became like a one-to-one, like, Hey, the reason why the empire loses is because they're fighting a war on foreign soil. Right. And, and like, like they, they think that they have authority to be there, but it's actually like, it's, it's the, it, it's the, the, the Ewoks that like, they're not just fighting for 
like fighting to win the battle. They are fighting for their home to, to survive. Right. And you'll never, you'll never win that war. So like, that's the sort of messaging that, that George was putting into the original trilogy among, among other things. I, I, other, other prejudices and, and I, I, you know, like just sort of, uh, hippie crunchy granola stuff like that it's i it's always funny to me when people are like oh star wars this is it's cliche at this point when you hear somebody go like get your politics out of my star wars and it's like i'm sorry have you seen star wars like are we talking about the same thing because like the like there's a whole speech in the first movie about like like the (laughs) The, the imperial senate won't sit still for this and then it's like oh we're we've dissolved the imperial senate like there's all of this stuff and then especially when you get back to the prequels and it's like the prequels are 90 percent politics and 10 percent everything else um one of the main complaints so so you know like uh yeah these are the types of stories that george wanted to tell this is the reason why he made these fairy tales so you know get over it um so yeah i i all of that to say i think that that's what we're doing with sid is that we're meant to be feeling uneasy about this character um and uh anytime that hunter says something out loud that is what the audience is supposed to be feeling so he basically says to her like like we don't work for you and at which point she's kind of like yeah you do <laughs> and like this is why because i have this information so you're gonna work for me because she basically like blackmails him in in the last episode right and then kind of pushes it in this episode i i and so we're supposed to be sitting there looking at it through hunter's eyes and going like mm, is this a good idea is this a good relationship but but i i do think that we're gonna learn that like it, like here's the thing the jedi wouldn't have been working with sid if she wasn't trustworthy that's that's what i'll point to is that like she's she was a jedi contact and it's it's a little bit like hondo where it's like is hondo going to betray you yeah but you can trust that he's going to betray you <laughs> right like i i and and ultimately that influence rubs off on Hondo and he becomes a good guy because of it. And I think that that is very much like that's, that's the Jedi seeing something that, that might not be apparent that might, that might not be, be there at first glance. Um, and, and I think Sid fits that mold as well. Uh, man, I can't wait for Hondo to show up in this show. Cause you know, he's going to, you know, I, he's going oh, to hope so. Please. That's, Hondo that's knows inst- everybody, man. Hondo knows everybody. Yeah, that's one instance where I don't mind the galaxy feeling small. Hon- Hondo, so Hondo is the only character I think that like we have immutable canon that he has interacted with a character from each era, like like each of the movie eras, because obviously he interacts with Obi Wan and Anakin. Uh, he interacts with Han and Chewie. And then because of Galaxy's Edge, he interacts with with Ray uh, uh, in, in sort of like the meta story of, of Batu, Right. So like you like he's 
Hondo might be one of the most important characters in all of Star Wars. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. He might be. It's Hondo and R2. I'm mean, Because obviously R2, R2 is obviously one of the characters who inter- interacts with everybody. R2 and 3PO. But R2 and 3PO are main characters. I'm thinking like like of a like a certainly of a, like a character created for animation hondo hondo mm-hmm. fits that bill which is pretty rad um until we find out that uh, that bo katan uh, uh fought luke skywalker in between empire strikes back and uh and return of the jedi and lost <laughs> Or, well, I guess technically you could say Ahsoka interacted with people from from three eras because she spoke to Rey at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, big brain energy, Kyle. <laughs> but okay, but who, but who has Ahsoka interacted with from the original trilogy? Well, the the characters in Rebels, Bail Organa and Phoenix. But Roger, who has she interacted Vader. with from the original? Tri- I'm talking about main characters, Vader. Kyle. That, no, but that's a cheat. That's a cheat. <laughs> Is it? Got you, man. I'm with Kyle on this one. That's he a can- cheat. Vader counts. I guess. Vader counts. Guess. Vader counts. Yeah, all right. Also, fine. she's she's running around during Mandalorian. That's that's late OT era. Yeah, yeah, but but Luke and Ahsoka, as far as we know, have not crossed paths, right? So like that's kind of. That's that's where I'm looking at it from. I'm kind of, I'm thinking mainly yeah. of like the of like the yeah. trio, right? The Soka series, it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's continue. Kyle, you go ahead. All right. Um, the team arrives at Corellia, landing at the industrial dockyard and moving in on foot. Police droids guard the facility, but Tech deduces a blind spot in their coverage and leads the group to an unprotected entrance. So I uh, Corellia, right? And then I I we're gonna get introduced to a character, uh, to some surprise characters in a little bit. Obviously, the the Martez sisters. Because we were on Corellia, did anybody think that this was gonna be Han? That yes, that, that was. I was be worried. Him. It was gonna. Be, I was like, yeah. please. I was terrified. Please I was terrified. Don't. I think. I think they might yeah, have done this th- on purpose. Uh, the idea crossed As my like mind, a bait but switch. I would, yeah, I was like, he'd be, you know, what, like, barely more than ten years old at this point, um, or maybe like a young teen, if anything. So I was, I, I thought, I knew it was possible since they were on Corellia, but I didn't think that it was that it was actually going to happen. Here's, here's what I'm going to pitch to you guys. I think when they were talking about this episode in the writers' room, Han Solo absolutely came up as one of the possibilities for this and may have even been in there for a second until they were like, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's no, it's too much, but I, it makes a lot of sense because he would be running around stealing stuff for, for, um, uh, uh, what was her face? The, the worm lady, uh, uh, Proxima, lady Proxima. Proxima, right? So, uh, yeah, it, I mean like that, there was there was potential for this to have been a cool Han Solo introduction, but also like I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> I'm glad they went the direction that they did. But yeah, and I mean if that was, was an close. idea, that it they, was close there for a second. If if that idea was on the table, it would have had to been like an early iteration of the story because even the fact that you know they want this information to pass it on to people that are like fighting the rebels, it's like that wouldn't 
you know, that wouldn't fit with Han because at this point he's obviously just looking out for himself. But actually, when you see the two like masked yeah. characters running around in there for a brief second, I did think, oh, is that like Han and Kira? Um, yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know. I mean, like, like, cause I'm, I'm talking like real high level, like when they're breaking story. And I imagine yeah. that with a series like bad batch, you start off with like, okay, we know what the beginning of the season is with, with crosshair and that storyline. And we know where this story is going to end for the season. And in between, we're going to have missions. Right. So like, like I can imagine in the writer's room, they just start putting stuff up on a board. Like the like stickies where they go like what planets do we want to go to, what MacGuffins could they be after, what characters could they interact with, right? Like to me that is, like that's how you that's how you break your story for a series like this. And and to me it's like like the second that somebody puts Corellia up on the board, the next thing somebody has to put up is Han and Kira, right? Is <laughs> like yeah. well do we see Han and Kira? Are we gonna do that? Are we gonna go there? Um, which could have been cool, but also like I, if anything stopped them, I imagine that it would be, uh, let's leave that alone because somebody might want to actually like tell that story in the future. Like, like that might be, that's enough for like a whole book or, uh, I, or, or for its own TV series, right? Like, yeah. like do an animated young Han Solo. Um, it could be like its own thing. So let's not let's not lock anything in there because that they do certainly act that way with the OT characters in particular uh, quite a bit. Where it's like it actually makes a lot of sense for that to be this OT character, and you see them like do something else because it's like nah, no, let's like we have to leave those characters alone because somebody might want to do something important with them. It's one of those things where it's. It's like when you're playing a Final Fantasy game and you save your ethers for the final boss battle and then you get to the final boss battle and you have like 300 <laughs> ethers and you're like, I don't, in what scenario am I going to use all of these? I, I was never going to, right? Like, it's like they, 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 they save those OT characters, I think, to the, to their detriment where it's like, tell a story, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, like, come on. Yeah. Um, or and, and the, and the sequel now, to your point, like you're talking about with the comics, just filling in gaps or you know telling stories that aren't all that important because they don't want to do anything that's too big or, or yeah. kind of shake things up. Um, yeah, or like with the sequel characters, they're just like you are not allowed to use these characters ever for anything ever again. Lock them away in the vault um, because maybe we'll make more movies with them. Like I guarantee that that's the mentality is like, we don't want to put out any books. We don't want to put out any comics or anything else after rise of Skywalker, because what if we decide to come back and make movies with these characters in 10 years? And so I mean, it's like, like, that's is, such a is, that, is, is that even a, what if like, who are they fooling? Well, no, and I, that's exactly it. Right. Like that's exactly it. And, and I, and I think that the, I think that the Han Solo, characters like if we can go like with a cast of characters there i think like there are certain ones i think han chewy kira and lando they like they are very much like leave these characters alone and i mean like they are they're they're doing the lando series so uh we'll have to wait and see what that is but but i do think that there's an element there of like well maybe we will go back and do another solo movie or something right like because that is like within the the realm of possibility so it's like don't touch these characters 
but uh and then i think that at some point they they decided that whoever trace and rafa are talking to at the end of this episode we'll get there don't worry about it i i when they decided to to introduce whatever that plot point's going to be they worked backwards and went okay so they're going to go to corellia and they're going to get this is going to be the macguffin and these are the characters that are going to connect them to that i th- i think that that probably came in after they they figured out something further down the road in the in the season. Um, that would be my guess. Uh, yeah, it could be. I guess it's my go, right? Here, I'll, I'll yeah. continue. Inside, deactivated droids and parts are dropped into a smolting pit. Echo, Tech, and Hunter go to find the target while Wrecker and Omega keep a lookout. Gaining access to the control center, Echo plugs in and finds one remaining tactical droid. Omega eyes the droid's head on a conveyor belt, then watches as someone quickly grabs it. Uh, and that that's the moment where I was like, could that be Han? Because it's its a small-ish body. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't know. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to tell because you don't have a lot of like reference uh, at, in that moment. It's really quick. But I, I really liked this moment where, where they're like, Wrecker, you go up top. Omega, stay here. And I... I it is to me sort of like implying they haven't realized it yet, but Omega is the one to fill crosshairs role. Right. Good there. But they're like record go, go up top. And he like complains. He's like, but that's crosshairs job. (laughs) Uh, Cause he's not a sniper and it's not, it's not his, uh, his skill set. So he, I I just like the way that he kind of like whines about it. And then they're like, just go do it. Um, but then it's it's ultimately it's it's Omega who uh, who spots somebody grab the the droid right like she spots the the droid head and then and then sees somebody take it so I uh, you know she's actually doing the the job of the lookout. Um, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good role for her for right now because again, I mean, obviously she's not going to be like on Crosshair's level of actually sniping and taking people out, but. Um, yeah, you're right about the fact that like last week, you know, she kind of proved herself and like kind of worked her way into the mission when obviously they weren't planning on being a part of it or planning on having her, you know, do anything there. Um, and now it's like, yeah, they're bringing her along with them. And even though, and and, you know, this was something where like, they weren't expecting a lot of danger. There weren't, you know, um, soldiers to fight or anything like that, but, um, you know, so kind of leaving her out of harm's way, but being like, hey, here's a job for you to do. Like, you know, she's got her binoculars and everything. And so it wasn't like one of the things where she kind of disobeys orders and gets herself into trouble. It's like she was just doing what they told her to, told her to do and being part of the team. So that was cool. Yeah, it's cool to see her as a already quickly becoming a functional member of the team. And I mean, we've known since really the first episode that she adapts really, really quickly. So it's it's not really a surprise that she's already like a valuable member. Um but yeah, I mean it seemed seamless and you know, it didn't feel forced or anything like that. Like all of a sudden, okay, she's she's on top of it. She's she's got this. Yeah. Uh Joe, you wanna go ahead? Yeah, sure. Uh what looks like a facility worker approaches Omega and unmasks. Omega quickly pulls out her bow aiming it at the person, an accomplice to the thief, before her. Over the woman's calm, a voice says, Rafa, where are you? Meanwhile, the rest of the team soon surround Rafa's partner. Um, 
I mean, I guess this is at this point the secrets out, right? Of of yeah. who it is. It is it is of course the the Martez sisters uh, are obviously the two who we're dealing with, and uh, I guess just a note um, before I don't know. I mean, you guys kind of touched on it where you know, Mike, you were saying that you wouldn't be surprised if we saw these characters again, but really what this made me feel is that you know it it made me appreciate just how tight and important the last season of Clone Wars was. Because, you know, that middle arc, it's not that the Martez sisters weren't important, because obviously they were a big part of Ahsoka's growth, but I'm sure they knew, and I'm sure they chose the arcs that they chose because they knew what was coming with Bad Batch. Um, And because of that, the last season of Clone Wars just feels so deliberate from start to finish to me i mean i don't you know who knows how involved they're going to be in the rest of the series but the fact that i'm sure while they were working on clone wars they knew that you know to some degree okay these characters really will be back later so we need to set up what we have to set up with them and you know like you said they made all those changes that originally ahsoka have like a love interest in that story arc and then it ended up being the martez sisters and you know here they are again so maybe they do play into a larger story that you know we don't know about yet or i don't know maybe it was a one-off maybe it's just a reminder of who they are so that when ahsoka comes around the the ahsoka series you know who knows but either way to me when i saw them back i was like oh the whole season of season seven this is all a season seven kind of coming coming together even more it's pretty crazy yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, it, it becomes more and more apparent that that everything, certainly everything unique to season seven, was placed there for a reason, and mm-hmm. and we got season seven, um, because we were getting Bad Batch. Uh, we all we have Dave Filoni has all but confirmed that at this point, so basically saying like the reason why Bad Batch exists is because we know that the fans love clone wars and, and, and like their uh, uh, energy to bring it back. I, I like pushed us in this direction sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, like it's like, there's the obvious connection there. And then there are larger connections into the, into the Mandalorian timeline stuff um, with like the siege of Mandalore being a really important story to place, I, I, Bo-Katan sort of back in in control, right? Like like back on the seat of power and fill in some gaps there um, between Clone Wars and Rebels um, and to do some of that work. Although there, there are still gaps in there, right? But, but it it at least does some of that, right? Um, And, uh, and, and sort of to move Darth Maul along his trajectory as well, connecting into Solo and, and all of that stuff. So, and Star Wars Rebels. So, I yeah, like the the every story that was told was an important story that needed to be told. The one piece I that's kind of remaining that 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 I see people point to a lot on online on Twitter especially is that we saw Dryden Voss in the Hollow I uh, at the beginning of one of those episodes right. and and much like Kanan and Dapo Balaba, yeah. why make those character models? It was yeah, like, oh, wow. cool. They they just threw 
Caleb Doom in there as like an Easter egg for us. No, yeah. they didn't. They yeah. needed that for Bad Batch. And it's wow. like, it's very similar of like, oh, neat, Dryden Voss. That's really cool to see that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's not really neat. He's there because we're <laughs> going to see him in Bad Batch. Oh, okay. I, cool. I, yeah, I mean, like I would, I would, I would stake my reputation on it. Um, uh, if if anybody does does anybody disagree with me on this podcast? Well, the only reason I might disagree is because I feel like I remember he like hearing or reading something in an interview or something after season seven came out where somebody talked about that and said that it was kind of like a last minute addition, um, mm. where they just kind of decided to throw him in there as an Easter egg. But that also could be I mean maybe he's coming down the line in like season two or three of Bad Batch, mm. and so yeah. they, you know they made that decision while it was kind of late in the game on Clone Wars. So yeah. Um, you know, never say never. And even if it was just intended as an Easter egg um, in Clone Wars, I mean, yeah, like you said, they've got the character model now. They could always decide to do something with it in this show. So, yeah, um, uh, I think it's possible that's why they put him in as an Easter egg to have that little connectivity that maybe they knew he was coming down the pipe and they're like, yeah, let's put let's put him in here. Here's a good little spot to just like boop, yeah. put him in a little foreshadow. And you know, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but based off of how the this episode ends, maybe. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I want yeah. to hear everybody's theory. Now, now yeah. that I'm thinking about now that I'm thinking about it, Mike, yeah. that you put that thought in my head. Now that's how I feel, possibly. All right. Well, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We're we'll get ahead. there. We'll get there. I I whose turn is it right now? Uh it's we mine. On, we on Kyle? Go ahead. Yeah. Seeing her opening, Rafa jumps on Omega. As they struggle, Omega fires off an energy bolt from her bow, puncturing a gas canister as she drops her weapon. With facility workers alerted to the commotion, the facility goes on lockdown. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. We're, it's pretty action-heavy, so we'll probably actually blow through a lot of this pretty quick. But, yeah. Uh, police droids enter the facility and open fire. The Bad Batch and the two thieves, Rafa and Trace, continuously switch between helping each other survive and trying to steal the droid head from their rifles. There is a great dynamic here of like, of like, we need to work together in order to get out of here. And it's like, yeah, but we could also just leave you to die. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's like, I, I like that neither party is altruistic. But at the same time, they're not neither party. They're not bad guys. They're they're all they're they, we're, these are all heroes. But we're kind of in a in a weird situation here where it's like the Bad Batch are trying to figure out how to survive and get by in the galaxy. Meanwhile, the uh, the, the the Martez sisters, we don't know where they are right now on their on their journey. Um Obviously, like like interacting with Ahsoka, I think puts them on the path towards being heroes. But 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 what's happened since that storyline, and you know, so we kind of question that as well because we do know that they are kind of, you know, like they 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 are. I don't want to use the word victims because I don't think that they're victims, but they are. They're sort of they're a product of their circumstances. Um, and that's what we saw in, in Clone Wars season seven was very much like they're good people that sometimes have to do less than good things because under the, 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 like in the, in the lower levels on Coruscant, 
uh, sometimes you got to make a deal with the devil in order to get by. Right. Um, that was sort of, that was sort of Rafa's character was like, you know, she's, she's working with, with bad guys, even though she's not really a bad guy herself. Um, and, and trace kind of just wants to escape from that world. So there's like that, that, that push and pull with those two characters. And we see a little bit of that at play here where it's like, they want to just take the droid head for themselves, but at the same time, they're kind of like, Oh, we're not just going to leave these guys though. And, and, and I think, I think from the other side of it, Hunter and the bad batch are like, they're trying to figure out how to be a little bit more in the gray area. Cause they've been, they, they thought that they were the good guys and now it's like, Oh, we're not the good guys. We're outlaws. And what does that mean? So everybody's trying to figure out their roles and it's, there's a little bit of like a Han Solo origin story vibe here of like, like the moment when he's like, when he says to Kira, it's like, I'm the, I'm, 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 I'm an outlaw. I'm like, and she's like, no, you're not, you're a hero. (laughs) Like you're the good guy. Like there, there's a little bit of that going on here with, with all of these characters. So it's, uh, I like what it's pointing to and, and, and it's, it is all, these are like, like there's a lot of parallels to Solo. It's interesting because uh, it's like early days of the rebellion, uh, and there's like there is no rebellion yet. It is, uh, uh, it's not even really an idea. It's just uh, almost it's almost just kind of in the air of like, are like what are we fighting back against? And it's like, well, you're fighting back against the Empire. The Empire is the bad guy, but nobody's really like no very few characters at this point in the timeline have that perspective to know that the empire is more than just a political uh, 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 organization, right? Like that it's, this isn't just Palpatine seizing power. It's like, I would say the only person who, who really understands the full scope of it at the moment is probably Bail Organa. Um, uh, other than Obi-Wan and Yoda, of course. Right. But like, like characters that are in play, let's say would be Bail Organa who understands that not only is Palpatine, did he un- unlawfully seize power, but he's also a Sith Lord. Like, like he's also the opposite of a Jedi. Um, I would say that Bail's probably the only person who really understands that. Um, yeah. So everybody else well, is just kind of like reacting. Ahsoka, I guess. Uh, yeah yeah i guess so i guess based on the conversations with maul right yeah like i guess i guess she would have that understanding you're right you're right um yeah and it could be interesting to see those two characters come together at some point and have those conversations um uh, and and maybe for the bad batch to get filled in on some of that stuff it's got i i like that this show is going to bring us up to the doorstep of star wars rebels like i i i I firmly believe that like it like a lot of the questions that we have about how characters got from the end of the clone wars and revenge of the sith to where they are when we start star wars rebels um like i think we're gonna see a lot of that like i do think that we will see dryden boss i think that we will see darth maul at some point i think that we will see 
the Mandalorians, we'll see Bo-Katan and, and, uh, and Ursula. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and those characters, like I, like I, and I, and I think that we'll see some of the rebels Mandalorian characters, like the, the, the Mandalorian protectorate characters. Right. Um, and how they went from Mandalorians to Imperials and, and all of that stuff. Like, I think that's, that that stuff will be tied into this. The Mandalorians have become so important to Star Wars. It's really interesting to see how that's evolved over the last decade uh, to them going from being like a footnote in like, oh, that's Boba Fett's armor to uh, I like the the foil for the Jedi. Like like they're they're not the Sith, so they're not the opposite of the Jedi, but they are almost like this this mirror version of the jedi and and uh, uh yeah anyways i where are we at where are we at does anybody uh, have anything to say about anything that i just said because i talked for a while i <laughs> no, could I'm go gonna... on a whole tangent about the mandalorians but i'll save that for I, yeah time. i tried i tried to stop that i, <laughs> I was like no <laughs> you're steering into the skid Mike. well do i i do have a specific point i want to hit on at some point in regards to a way that they could work into this show specifically and and kind of a loose thread from the mandalorian but for now we can stay focused on where we're at yeah uh where, where are i want to hear that i want to hear man okay yeah go ahead kyle go ahead Go ahead. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, and and I'm curious to see if you guys picked up on this. So, this is something that goes back to um, season one of The Mandalorian, where they're all talking about like the purge, where all the Mandalorians got wiped out. Yeah. Um, presumably, sometime after the last Mandalorian arc that we see in Rebels, and where that show takes place. So, sometime during you know the end of like the Imperial era, there was a, a purge of the Mandalorians. But when Moff Gideon is uh, when he makes his first appearance at the end of season one and he's kind of like giving his like exposition on all like the backstory of all the characters and kind of showing that he knows everything he specifically mentions um and i think it's when they're bringing out like the e-web turret or something and he says uh you know the the decommissioned hunter din jaren like maybe has heard the songs of the siege of mandalore which yeah. we know is like very specifically what the event in the clone wars was referenced as um, when he says, like, when fields of Mandalorian recruits were wiped out with these weapons, you know, in the Night of a Thousand Tears. And mm. so I'm wondering, and obviously we didn't see that in Clone Wars Season 7, but we do see when Ahsoka leaves and she takes off in, you know, the Jedi cruiser with Mala's prisoner and everything, they do leave some clone forces on Mandalore. It's and a point so of contention. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so I'm wondering if, you know, those clone forces that are left to occupy Mandalore and presumably to just sort of help clean up or establish the new regime or whatever, obviously you're still there when the Empire takes over. And so what if that is, like, then maybe that becomes a point, like you said, a point of contention. And um, and that is still maybe part of the Siege of Mandalore, that we haven't seen the conclusion yeah. of that whole event yet. Um, oh, and that we now, so maybe the Bad Batch are going to end up on Mandalore at some point and see that the clones have taken over and, and you know, wiped out a bunch of the Mandalorians yeah. or something like that. So. I mean, like, I've al I've already I, uh, mentioned a couple of times that I think that, that there's a very real possibility that we could see Omega in, in the Mandalorian era of, of the timeline, that post-Return of the Jedi era. Um, and that she may end up being one of the, you know, like if we end up with sort of like a Mandalorians of the round table, uh, sort of situation, as opposed to the, just whoever wields the dark saber is, mm -hmm. is the ruler of Mandalore. But they, if they like sort of 
distribute that power amongst the the different Mandalorian factions. Um, and if they are pointing towards that, if that's if that is the direction that we're headed with Mandalore, then it would make sense for us to connect at some point with Bo-Katan. And, and I do, I mean, like, I think that that's a foregone conclusion. At some point in the run of the Bad Batch, these characters will intersect with Bo-Katan and Ursa Ren. That's going to happen. Um, I, and, and yeah, I could very easily see that being like a moment where, where like Bo-Katan fills us in on what has happened on Mandalore and, and gives us that backstory. I don't know that we'll necessarily, I think that it's already happened, right? I think everything that you just said, Kyle is, is a hundred percent right. Um, but just that like within the timeline, it's that like, I think when order 66 happened, I think at the same time, Palpatine probably sent an order to Mandalore of like, we've dealt with the Jedi, but if there's any fighting force in the galaxy that could, that, that poses an immediate threat, it's the Mandalorians. So like do something about it. Um, and, 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 and that could very well be, uh, uh, part of it. But, but I mean, like you might be right. It might, it might be a situation of like, like, you know, the clones are stationed there and it might, it might actually be like the night of a thousand tears might be the first thing that we see. Like, like the first time that we see like full on stormtroopers in the Bad oh, Batch, could be. right? Because mm-hmm. that would be a really cool way to introduce stormtroopers of like, just like, like, like with this idea that, um, that Rampart has of like these elite soldiers being trained by the clone troopers, which Ooh, by the time yeah, that we get to rebels, that's sort of faded away. And they're just, they're just being trained by whoever, um, yeah. even being trained by by a couple of dum dums, right? Which is what we see in in Rebels, which explains why the stormtroopers are in, an ineffective fighting force by the time that we get to the original trilogy. But I I but to see the ones that have been trained by the clones, um, and to and to establish them as an actual threat to differentiate them from later stormtroopers, that would be a way to do it. That'd be a really effective way of like, of like, here's a bunch of, and it's the first time that we see like the full on stormtrooper armor. Um, and to have them basically, and maybe even have Vader lead the the whole thing. Oh my gosh. I, I and basically like the five Oh first, like basically landing. And then, and like you said, like the E-webs and just like mowing down Ugh. Mandalorians left, right and center. And just have that be like this devastating moment in this series. I mean, like, yeah, and that a, could be that's a season finale. <laughs> well, yeah, well, not even that. I mean, that could be um, like maybe a, a, a an episode or maybe a, a sort of tangential storyline if we get back to Crosshair. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, the, the only episode we've seen him in so far since the season premiere was it was cutting back and forth between the Bad Batch and Crosshair as, as uh, you know, they're kind of. Actually, I guess they weren't even hunting them. It was just kind of like, you know, they sent Crosshair and the Stormtroopers to finish what the Bad Batch didn't do on Onderon. But obviously we got to get back to him at some point. And we're assuming that, you know, his storyline is going to connect back in with the rest of the Bad Batch. But I would love to see maybe at least a few more episodes where we're just focused on Crosshair and the Empire and seeing like, okay, while the Bad Batch is over here, what are these guys up to? And yeah, maybe they have Crosshair and some other clones train a bunch more Stormtroopers and then that's the thing is they, you know, send them off to Mandalore. That would be incredible to see. Yeah. 
Yeah. Talking to you guys every week really gets my hope up for this show and Star Wars in general. And now I'm just worried that it's not going to, like, <laughs> be able to, like, possibly uh, I, reach those expectations that I'm, I will I'm say this. trying to taper. I have a, I do have a pretty good track record. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you can go back to early episodes of Clone Wars of, of Frontlines, and and uh, and and I I say some stuff, and then by the time that the series is done, it's like, yeah, a bunch of the stuff that I said eventually happens in one way or another. <laughs> like like we do eventually get there. Um, I hope you're right. Well, Kyle, in this instance, I hope you're right. All the yeah. stuff sounds amazing and awesome. Yeah, they have I, that I, Vader Clone Wars model. Yep. There's, well, I mean, that's what, that was Mike's idea, but oh gosh, I, and that's it's like I would love to see the Empire get involved, see a legion of, clone, of stormtroopers yeah. go to to Mandalore, and I think that's a huge possibility. Vader leading the charge. That's like I'm not yeah. even going to get my hopes up for that, but that would be icing <laughs> on the cake if it did happen. Hey, like, so they've got the character model, so we I, got we can see him at some point. We got tons of Vader in Star Wars Rebels in season two, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like tons of vader in but obviously two. you know he he's got the whole imperial military under him but he gets involved when there's jedi involved especially when they've already taken out an inquisitor so i think mm-hmm. it you know it obviously made sense for him to show up where he did and then of course introducing ahsoka and i think with rebels sort of being the follow-up to clone wars dave knew he's like i gotta work ahsoka and vader in here at some point yeah uh where are we where are we in this episode recap uh, <laughs> i am up okay go ahead <clears throat> After Echo accidentally shuts down the entire facility, Wrecker swings across the main control platform, banging his head in the process. Cohen, you called this one a mile away. (laughs) Still, he successfully reboots all systems. But something is wrong. Without warning, Wrecker grabs his head in pain, muttering, Good soldiers! Unable to steady himself, the hulking clone takes a blaster shot in the arm before finally falling. Yeah, man, they're really right, playing right. the slow burn. They're playing the slow yeah. burn with this one, and I love it. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it would wow. be so easy to just, like, either not address this for a really long time or to just, like, go there right away. Um, but they're really playing with our emotions on this. And I can <laughs> say, like, there's a lot of people online who are upset about it, and... I, I, and when I say that it's delicious, what the, the thing that I'm saying, like the point that I'm making there is that like the writers want us to sit with this and they want every week. They're like, Hey, don't forget. And every week (laughs) it gets just a little bit more progressive. And Mm -hmm. like with this one, it was like, you were like, I was on the edge of my seat. Is he going to turn this episode? And I just like, it, I don't know. That's why I'm con- I, I can be confident, like whether or not, you know, like the stuff that we've said comes to fruition specifically, I am confident that stuff of that scope and magnitude and with that much like gravitas and meaning behind it is going to happen on this show. Yeah. It has and to. it's like, like star Wars rebels. Like I couldn't, I, I don't think that I, my track record there is not as good because I could not have predicted that we were going to get Vader in season two. Actually, I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I did say that eventually we'll see Vader um, uh, when the, when the inquisitors fail, but I, I, but certainly not like Vader and Ahsoka having a confrontation on Malachor or Malachor. I, I can't remember what planet it is. Yeah. It's Malachor. Is it Malachor? Yeah. Um, 
all the Sith planets have like sound so similar. Mm. I, I, and I, and I definitely, I never in a million years could have predicted that we would see Darth Maul fight Obi-Wan on Tatooine because it had been done in visions. And I was like, I think you could probably find audio of me saying they're never going to do that because they already did it. <laughs> the clip um, exists folks somebody yeah. find it yeah i'm sure it does i i but but i am confident because of what we got with both clone wars and and rebels that like we're gonna get some stuff and mm-hmm. and this is a great example of like they are they are building to something that is going to destroy the fans in the best way possible that like, this is going to be so heartbreaking because if any of the clone, if any of the bad batch are sort of like, I wouldn't say like without sin, but like, but, but innocent in a way it's, it's this big dumb, dumb wrecker who I, I mean like, like they just a, a couple weeks ago had him uh, be the, a big old sweetie set setting up I. Uh, omega's little like loft <laughs> room right and it's like and 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 he's got his his tuka doll and and uh and all that stuff where it's like we we are supposed to see him as a big child and to have him be the one that turns next uh and whatever that ends up meaning for the character like it just they're really really gonna just <laughs> destroy some fans hearts uh and and it's gonna be so good to watch uh yeah i don't want anybody to feel pain obviously but like (laughs) if 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 the purpose of storytelling is to make us feel things and think think about stuff and like gain perspective on life and that's that's the whole point of of story and myth then like like you gotta take the good with the bad, and and this is a great example of like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna put us through the ringer, but on the other side of that, there'll be there'll be something positive. That's the outcome of that. Um, I, I've seen some people online say that like maybe it could be uh, Crosshair's redemption, right? Um, maybe it was even somebody who wrote into the podcast, but I I yeah, like like we we could see that be the case, so. It's uh well yeah. I'll There's tell something you, I'll tell you one prediction I had when I saw this because obviously seeing Trace and Rafa and them mentioning that well, you know, first they mentioned that this droid head that they're after that like it has intel that could help someone defeat the clone. So obviously it's valuable in this this era of the Empire. And then you see Trace and Rafa, and then they talk about they're wanting to get this droid head for someone else, and then they show up with Ahsoka's astromech droid at the end of the episode. So I'm like, all of this lays out pretty plainly. Like we're gonna see Ahsoka Tano at some point. Yeah. And if the bat, I'm thinking, you know, we keep getting these teases leading up to Wrecker, like maybe going over the edge and that if they meet up with Ahsoka and him actually seeing a Jedi, maybe, you know, she ignites her lightsaber or something, maybe that's going to be the moment that finally pushes him over the edge. Um, so I don't know. That was, that was kind of one way I saw them possibly going with it. Wasn't that R2 unit destroyed in the last episode of Siege of Mandalore though? And then, like, yes. it was a different color in another shot. I guess it was supposed to be another droid, but, like, then it wasn't those same colors in the last shot. Yeah, yeah. and that so I don't know weird. what is going on with that. Obviously, we're, we're jumping way ahead here, but I 
I think it is supposed to be the same droid because I checked like the trivia section on the episode gallery. Oh, really? And I think they mentioned that it is the same oh. droid. And also, I was talking they... to my sister about this too, and she pointed out that in the final episode of Clone Wars, um, they like uh, Rex and Ahsoka retrieve that droid's body from the wreckage because they have it like next to the ship. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, really? And yeah. and I don't remember which one of them specifically says it, but either Trace or Rafa specifically says R seven. So yeah, they like they do say R seven. Yeah, but the uh, Joe's right though. Like in one shot, it looks like it's like the red and green R seven from the Clone Wars, and then in the next shot, it's like black and gold. And so it's yeah. like, oh, is it it's a like different R? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> is is this a different R seven unit? Um, but the, like I said, that trivia gallery did seem to it didn't address the continuity error, but it did mm-hmm. seem to kind of well, I guess it kind of addressed it without addressing it because they had a screenshot of it from Clone Wars, and then they had a screenshot of like the wrong colored version from oh. the Bad Batch next what to each other, the and they're basically is saying on this is the same droid. So this is in the trivia gallery. I didn't look at the trivia yeah. gallery this week. Yeah, I, I looked at it specifically because I was wondering if they were going to address that yeah. continuity error with the droid. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. The Martez are, the Martez sisters are joined by familiar astromech droid A seven R seven during the Clone War. A seven R seven served former Jedi and friend of the sisters Ahsoka Tano. Interesting, interesting. I uh, who's up next? Is it? It's Kyle. It's your turn. Uh, Kyle's up. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Trace emerges with the target and runs towards the exit, but sees Omega fall onto the smelting conveyor belt, her leg trapped. Instead of leaving, Trace comes back and helps Omega climb out just as she was about to fall into the fiery pit. Hunter offers a heartfelt thanks. Uh, this is what, so this is kind of what I was talking about, like this kind of flip-flopping back and forth between like, are, are we, are we adversaries? Are we friends? Are we good? Are we bad? Um, everybody's kind of living in this gray area right now. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's a little, it can be confusing in the heat of the moment, but, but ultimately these characters are all good. So they're, Trace in particular out, out of the Martez sisters is is a good person. So she's not going to leave Omega to die, right? Um, I'll continue here. Uh, Rafa and Trace work with the Bad Batch to make their escape, but soon get pinned down. Meanwhile, Wrecker awakens and leaps down to the bottom platform, blasting police droids with abandon. So I, I love it. He saves the day ultimately here. Um, do I, we want to keep going or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Trace has an idea to get them all out alive. She activates the tactical droid and commands it to order all Separatist forces to attack the police droids. With tech boosting the signal, it works. Throughout the factory, battle droids spring to life. Uh, It's somewhere in either this one or the one before. I just have to point out, my favorite play on words in all of Star Wars history is there an echo <laughs> yeah, in here. I, I, yeah. I knew you were going to go for that. Oh, man. I loved that. And so did the entire internet, it seems. Yeah. yeah. I, I commented on Twitter I, when somebody pointed it out. I was like, this is this this because they had like the screenshots like of sort of like the like like four screenshots of that moment um, as it happens. I I. It's like, is there an echo in here? And then he pops in and he's like, yes. Uh, and I was like, this, when you look at, if you didn't know, if you didn't know that this was in the episode, this would read like an incorrect Star Wars quote tweet, right? Like there's that Twitter account that's like incorrect Star Wars quotes. Yeah. Um, 
where it's like I, I when an incorrect Star Wars quote tweet is is good, it is exquisite. And to me, like that moment reads like one of those where you're like, they did not just do that, did they? Um, but they absolutely <laughs> did, and it was hilarious. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the thing I love about it too, that's like just an extra layer to it is the fact that not only is it just funny because his name is Echo, but the fact that like Rafa is like repeating what Trace said and she goes, is there an Echo in here? Like that's how he got his name in the first place was re- by repeating what other people mm-hmm. said. So yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Echo's the best. I love Echo. Yeah. He too. is pretty great. Uh, go, go ahead, Kyle. It's, it's your go. All right, uh, Trace calls for her droid to bring their ship, and they make a run for it. But on the way out, the tactical droid head is blasted from her hands. Meanwhile, Omega grabs her bow and finally hits some targets. It's all about tuning out distractions, she says. Um, and and we, we kind of skipped over the whole little battle scene there, but I thought it was cool just seeing all the, like, the half-broken battle droids come back to life. And it was almost like a mirror of the uh, the Rebels episode where Rex yeah. and Kanan and Ezra, like, mm. fight the droid army one more time. And Rex is like, one last glorious day in the Grand Army of the Republic. It's like, you know, one last hurrah for the Separatist forces, but the, the battle droids get to be on the good side this time. Hey, there's a there's a thread that that has not come back yet um in any in any star wars stories uh that episode oh, general, ends general kalani yeah yeah that episode ends with the with the tactical droid going off yeah and it's there's sort of an implication there that like it might like maybe maybe one day it'll come back to help the rebellion right um hmm. i and and i don't think that we've seen anything um with that character coming back what like because that's that is such an excellent story thread to to have out there somewhere of like there's hey there's a there is a small droid army somewhere in the galaxy mm-hmm. um and they're sympathetic to the rebellion so <laughs> uh yeah man i can't believe that that i i'd completely forgotten about that aspect of that episode until just now um uh, here we go. Let, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going, and, and we can close this episode out, and then we can talk about the uh, the the hologram elephant in the room. Uh, on the ship, Rafa and Trace argue with Hunter. Uh, they needed the head for a contact fighting against the Empire. Still, they depart on friendly terms. Keep working on that bow, kid. Rafa says <laughs> to Omega, and Hunter has a gift for Rafa: a data rod with the tactical droid's intel, saved by tech before it was destroyed. You'll use it for the right reasons, Hunter says. So this is this to me is very much the same as as Han giving the the um, what are they the Cloud Riders or whatever Enfys Nest yeah yeah the uh, the the coaxium at the end of Solo, it's like 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 they're these they're mercenaries out there trying to survive, but at the end of the day they're always going to do the right thing. Um, but it is one of those things where you're like. Hey, um, you've got the data now. You you were able to copy it to this data rod. I uh, can you not like can you guys not like like hey we're gonna go back to uh, uh what what planet are they Ord Mantel right like that's what we're going, yeah. that's where our contact is we're going back to Ord Mantel meet us there we'll make a duplicate of the tactical droid data for you and that that, makes and, sense. and that way we both win. Why would we do <laughs> yeah. that? That would make sense. Yeah. Or, it, I mean, you you would think Tex got the stuff that he could do it right there. Like, 
Yeah, you know, I think I feel like they don't want to sell Corellia for any longer than they have to, right? Like they're kind of yeah. on the run at this point, but yeah, oh, true. Yeah, at the same time, yeah, I mean, like you're right. Like it, it, it like they could have absolutely just like, hey, we'll beam it to you. <laughs> like we'll transmit yeah. the data to you. Like, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, like they, they. At the end of this episode, we are setting stuff up for future episodes. So it's one of those things where it's like. I'm going to allow it because I know that this is just a step uh, I, to, to get us to the next part of the plot. But but there was a moment there where it was like, if you copied it once, you can copy it again. It's not a big deal. It's not like... I mean, is it possible like that he does have another one off screen? Maybe? Yeah, maybe. maybe. It's possible, but they definitely make sort of make it a point of like you know the droid head was destroyed but we got the info from it but we're choosing to give it to you instead of keeping it for ourselves mm-hmm. um so i yeah i think i don't know maybe just the the character development of that moment of hunter's kind of selflessness would maybe be lost if it was just like hey we got a copy too even though that kind of would make sense but mm-hmm. um yeah. i don't know but i i did love there was a line in this scene and mike you talk about kind of like the moral ambiguity of the characters and the martez sisters um, and especially the way that we saw them in Clone Wars and Rafa, you know, working with shady people and stuff. But there was a line in this scene where they're talking about um, trying to get this info to the people that are fighting against the rebellion. And she talks about like choosing sides and, and uh, you know, doing what's right or like fighting for the right team or whatever. And she says something like, you know, trust me, I know from experience, like you might think you're neutral, but sooner or later we all choose sides. Mm. Um and so kind of seeing like everything that they've been through and also again the implication that they're probably still working with or at least in contact with ahsoka and that they're now kind of helping fight the empires um kind of a nice progression in their character arc too and seeing how she's kind of influenced them yeah totally uh joe joe you want to close this one out and then and then we can almost go immediately into the mailbag i think (laughs) sure thing uh in space rafa and trace reach their contact she reports that they have the data and got help from a squad of rogue clones. So it's obviously Ezra slash Snoke, who is the same character, uh, who is now a month <laughs> old, right? Yeah. Um, it's got to be. Yeah, that's, gotta yeah be. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's, go, let's go right from that, like I said, right into the mailbag so that we can, uh, we, we can get into all these theories. Let's do it. This is Paul Sir, we've received a transmission from someone using our subspace frequency, Fulcrum. Incoming transmission from the Rebel Cells, Fulcrum Mailbag. Okay, so uh, over on social media, I asked the question, uh, great to see some unexpected familiar faces in the latest episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. Who do you think Trace and Rafa were calling at the end of the episode? Uh, Over on Facebook, Anthony Rice said, my first reaction was Bail Organa. But it could just be one of the Kaminoans. Uh, over on Twitter, uh, Tim Dipple at TD Gamer says, definitely Bail. He's the only character I know of who was actively set up to resist the Empire at this point and would have the resources to make this happen. Uh, and then on Instagram, Alexandrina ATK says, I hope it's not Ahsoka. I know <laughs> novels are pretty low on the canonical hierarchy. But I love her novel, and if it was her, it totally contradicted the book. Unless they make the timeline wonky. I personally would love it if it was Bo-Katan. That'd be pretty cool. Or someone new. Uh, So, 
guys, uh, I, I, what, what, what do you think, Joe? You go first. Uh, who, who do you think it is? Uh, well, I am pretty sure it's not Ahsoka, just because they. I feel like they referred to the contact as he at some yeah. point. Um, mm-hmm. so that's pretty safe. I also, I hope it's not Bail, just because we kind of already had that moment in Rebels where it's like, yeah. oh, Bail is the contact. Okay, cool. Um, honestly, I think it could. I, I mean, it could be dryden voss now that we spoke about it before that would be pretty insane um i don't know i don't know i really don't know um i'm not really sure what to think but now that like they have you know r7 i don't know what to think so it can't be ahsoka because ahsoka is obviously not a he um i don't could it be rex maybe 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 rex is still kind of in touch with ahsoka possibly because like they're still because like you said, there was that R7 connection in the last episode of Clone Wars, which I really need to go back and look at that because I never noticed that before. Um, I don't know, man. What, what about you guys? Kyle, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, Bale seems like the easy choice to me because I also did pe- pick up on the fact. I think Rafa says, uh, you know, like patch him through or something when they reach out to the contact. Um, and just to me, like, even though you just kind of see like a shoulder, it it did sort of strike me as like a male profile. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, I think Bail Organa is kind of the, the easy choice right now. I think obviously I, I think we'll see Ahsoka at some point, just, you know, the Martez sisters and the R7 droid set that up um, without it needing to. And, and that's another reason why I think this isn't her. I'm like, they already did enough in this episode to tease that Ahsoka's coming. You don't also need to have like a mysterious cameo at the end, but still not show who it is if all of that's just pointing to Ahsoka. So I think that is going to mm. be somebody else. Um, but just looking at like the kind of, of robe or cloak or whatever it is that they're wearing, again, we get just a very brief glimpse of like a part of it, but it did kind of strike me as Jedi-like. Mm. Um, and and th- this is, you know, probably going to sound ridiculous and I'm not putting this out there as a, a theory or something that I think is going to happen, but just a crazy thing to throw out there. I don't know why this name was one of the first that popped into my head when I saw the scene was Mace Windu. Just because that's one of those things that keeps coming, you know, it's one of those rumors that won't die. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's dead, but did we really see him die? And Samuel Jackson keeps talking about wanting to come back and play him. So that was just something I had in the back of my head. Um, But... Yeah, it, it could be any number of people. Like I said, if I had to bet right now, I'd bet on Bail Organa. But I hope they surprise us. I hope it's somebody we don't see come. It's Plo Koon. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I wouldn't put it past Dave Filoni to have it be Plo Koon. Well, that's what he told uh, the actors on the set for season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that Plo Koon is going to come rescue everybody at the end of season two. So, I maybe? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah. All right, Mike. I, okay. Um, I think that the most likely character that that is is Rex. Um, I, 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 I point towards that, and I think that Rex is going to connect with the, with the bad batch. He's going to go to them and not the other way around, which, which I think we've been leaning towards them seeking him out. Um, but, but I think that it'll actually end up being the other way around, and I, uh, that I think that's the most likely. I think there's an outside chance, a very, very outside chance. Just, I mean, I think that everybody's said 
pretty logical stuff. Bale or, you know, like, like, uh, I, uh, you know, Rex, whatever. But I, maybe it's Cassian Andor, who we know has also gone Ooh. by the moniker yeah. Fulcrum. So I, yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, he'd be young. He'd be he's really young he's, right yeah, now. Yeah, he'd be really young at this point. He'd be, he'd be very young, but 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 I mean, like in his words, he's been in it since he was six years old. Um, <laughs> he's the six-year-old fulcrum. But but like, how old is he? How old is he? Why we don't really have? A, do we have like an actual age? Maybe yeah, maybe that I doesn't think, work. No, yeah. I, well, I think it's listed in the Visual Dictionary because I want to say. For whatever reason, I think he's supposed to be like late twenties, like maybe twenty nine. Oh, really? Is he that one. young? Is he supposed to be that young? I think so. I think. Well, again, probably just to make it line up with the whole, you know, been fighting in this fight since I was six years yeah. old, um, which apparently is a reference to him actually, like, uh, like his planet being involved in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so he, I mean, he would be, you know, maybe an adolescent at this point at most. Um, oh, good gravy! He's super young. I uh, uh, in in uh, Rogue One twenty six BBY, so that means that he's twenty six years old oh, <laughs> at okay. the Battle of Yavin. So I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Um, that does that does put him at about <clears throat> six years old during Order sixty six. So <laughs> yeah, no, never mind. I take it back. It's definitely not Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, maybe it's uh, K2SO. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, it might be a character that we don't know. It might be. Um, that, that'd be a little disappointing, honestly. <laughs> All this mystery, and then it's like, it yeah, it's weird. me, Bobo the Idiot, a new character. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think we'll find out in the next episode? No. I think it'll be a while. No, yeah, I don't. It's it's hard to tell though because again, I feel like these first few episodes have been planting a lot of seeds for different storylines that you know either all could kind of converge all at once or could all be potential setups for you know their their own storylines. And so it's like I feel like we're about to kind of really sort of get things moving, but it's like you know which which direction are we going in first? Which one of these threads are we pulling on first? Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I don't know if you guys saw this, but you know, I, I, like I've seen some tweets and stuff from some of the writers and animators on the show and a few of them were like, Oh, if you think it's been good so far, like buckle up. Cause, uh, <laughs> you know, the second half of the season. And I think somebody even said like starting next week is just going to be a roller coaster ride. So, yeah, we said there's no break, right? Like it's just going to be 16 weeks straight through. Yeah. As far okay. as we know, I think so. I mean, we don't even know for sure that there's going to be a new episode this Friday because they don't tell us anything about it. But. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, they, yeah, they really, they really don't tell us anything. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like I would imagine that that yeah, we're going straight through because I think the reason to move Loki to Wednesdays was to avoid Loki and Bad Batch being the same day. Yeah. Um, oh, is that debuting in like two hours? Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, it is. Oh wow! Okay, I guess I'm staying up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll 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 talk to you at at twelve thirty. Uh, how do we know how long these episodes are for Loki? Uh, no I have no idea. Sure, I'll talk to you around twelve thirty, twelve forty five. Very cool. Uh, 
uh, awesome. we can we can dig into it because I think I'm gonna stay up too. Um, yeah, I I think that's it. I think we've covered this. I think we did it, guys. I think that's an episode. I uh, we'll find out soon who that's gonna be. I I. I don't know. Any final thoughts? You guys good? We cover everything? Yeah, I think so. Gentlemen, I appreciate you both, and I appreciate getting to do this each week. It is fantastic. Uh, here, here. I'm just so glad that there's stuff worth talking about on this show. Yeah. this. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you're absolutely right. This show is not at all, I think, what anybody was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. It really was kind of a bait and switch in, like, the best way. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I especially love episodes like this where we get to, you know, just kind of go off on our speculative tangents and talk about, you know, all the different mystery characters and who it yeah. could be and what could, you know, where could these be, where could these things be leading towards? So, yeah, I mean, when we were introduced to Rambo clone and uh, Hulk clone and <laughs> you know, like I, I like all these characters where we're like, these are just bad action movie tropes. How are they going to make a TV show out of this? How is it going to be a whole series? And then here we are, what, six episodes in. And it's just like, um, no, I legitimately love some of these characters. Like, (laughs) Tech is such a fantastic character. Omega is so good. Um, And having them so far interact with with so many uh, uh, important uh, characters and touch points in in the the Clone Wars and, and sort of leading into the Rebels era. Like, it just, yeah, man. It's fantastic. They're doing such a good job. I, but that's it. That is it for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joe and Kyle, for chatting Star Wars. And uh, and that's it. We'll be back next week for I. We don't have a. We, again, we have no title. We have no description. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the Bad Batch are gonna are gonna go on another mission, and Wrecker's gonna bump his head. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Unless it's all unless next week is Crosshair invading Mandalore and that's all we see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a trend. Like next week we're like, well, we were right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, awesome. Uh thanks for everybody for listening. We'll catch you next week. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again. Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.